On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. I'm here with the greatest music producer of all time, Big Block Spencer. Yeah, believe that, man. It's your boy, Big Block, Ryan Sideways, with my brother, the number one orthopedic surgeon in the world. I could not live without him. My boy, Scott Barber. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing awesome, man. What's been going on? Man, trying to, in that studio, making a difference, trying to make a difference. Rebuilding the hip-hop block by block. I'm working on sickness. She's doing great right now. The list is going up. A video just came out going great, beautiful. If y'all, if y'all haven't got that yet, or saw that yet, look at Sit to Be Beautiful. It's going down. Yeah, she is doing awesome. And yep. that's funny uh, talking about Sydney B because today, as our yep. guest, we have the greatest uh, music studio personality ever, yep. Curtis, Curtis Daniel III. Yeah. He's the owner of Patchwork Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. And this place is where it all happens. Everybody in the world from Justin Timberlake to Drake to Kirk Franklin, Big Block Spencer got his start there. And now Sydney B, my daughter, is getting her start there. Curtis, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Y'all got some big introductions. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no, hey, 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 Scott, man, when I first got in the music business, like I never knew, like, the corporate part of the business. I came from the streets. I came from hustling, grind up and. Man, this guy right here really helped me really get my my corporate lessons on, my corporate, um, I guess, foundation. Because I appreciate that, you know what I'm saying? Because he taught me a lot, you know what I'm saying, as, a, as when it comes to business. Because I didn't have no money in my household. I didn't have, you know, you know, like I didn't come from money. Yeah. So so Curtis helped me really, like, like lay out the foundation block of the team, man, in a way that things are supposed to work. It was like over 20-some years ago. And that's a really important concept in life. You know, being successful in life is finding somebody to mentor you along the way. You know, life is uh, all about wisdom, you know, and wisdom, as we always say, it's the knowledge of things that never change, Mm -hmm. but it takes a lifetime to learn those things. And sometimes if you can align yourself with somebody who's already done it, they can help you avoid some of the, some of the mistakes that they made along the way and help you be successful and, you know, show you the do's and don'ts or anything. So no matter what you do, you know, you got to find somebody like my father used to tell me, you want to be something yeah. or, or do something, find somebody who's already done it yeah. and do what they do. So, Curtis, how did you get to to the point where you own Patchwork Studios, where everybody important, everybody famous goes yeah. to record their music? Um, well, the I started out working there. You know, um, one of my best friends I grew up with, um, his name's Bob Woodfield. Um, we grew up together in a, a city in L.A. called Carson, California. Um, the high school that we went to was like a nationally ranked high school. So Bob got a scholarship to go to Stanford. I'm a year behind him and I got a, st- a scholarship to go to Michigan State. Um, Bob ended up getting drafted by the Falcons in the first round. He was the eighth player overall picked. He was the highest paid lineman in NFL history on three different occasions. And one of the other homeboys from the neighborhood, um, I thought he was one of the most talented rappers I had ever had, I have ever heard. And I told Bob that, um, you know, he should get him some equipment so we can do a do a demo. You know, back in the day, we were told that if we cut a demo on somebody and shop it, then we would get it. We would get a record deal. 
And so Bob put up the money and we, we cut a demo on Raz and nobody was interested. And we still being young and naive, um, believed in them. So we actually formed a record label so we can put the um, single out and we put the record out and then it created like a real big bidding war with all the major labels. We ended up signing with Priority. And then we did the first album and realized we spent over a couple hundred thousand dollars in the studio <laughs> like y'all doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, so we was like, we should just do our own studio. So I was chose to manage the studio. And then um, probably about 12 to 13 years after management, uh, me and one of the engineers bought the studio from Bob. And so that's how I became the owner of the studio. So how old were you when this was all taking place? Uh, we actually started our, you know, we had two companies, so it's very similar. We had Patchwork Recordings, which was our record label and Patchwork Recording Studios. Um, the record label started in 93. So I was in my third year in college. I would have been about 21. And um, after I graduated, I was 23 and we started the studio in 95. So what got you thinking that you could even do something like this? I mean, you know, the idea that you could, uh, you know, run a music studio, you know, you, you talked about being naive, not knowing what you're doing. Uh, how did you even begin to put a plan together? Parents, upbringing, you know, um, you know, you, you basically have a mom. Um, like I said, my parents been married, I think now about 52 years. But you you have a mom that's telling you you can do anything. There's not anything that you can't do as long as you work at it, work at it and practice and try it and, and you know, and, and really dedicate yourself to it. But then you have a dad that that's going out working and he's kind of he's kind of modeling, you know, a certain behavior. And so you, we grew up in his neighborhood. It's in L.A. right next to Long Beach called Carson. Um, the name of the neighborhood is called the Patch, the Cabbage Patch. That's why we named Patchwork, putting in work for the patch. But, you know, I grew up on a street where everybody was married. You know, everybody had two cars and that's what we knew. So it was kind of like one of those situations where they never really, if it was anything that we couldn't do or that we struggled with, they didn't tell us that you can't do that. They just said you need to work harder at it and practice at it. So, you know, um, and then going through college, you know, I always thought that if you was capable of reading, that was one level capable of comprehension was a other. And so I just knew if I read and studied instead of listening to other people that, you know, we had been successful in everything else we wanted to do. We was playing ball. We all went D1. Bob went pro. So nobody had really had stopped us and told us that we couldn't do anything. So we we were young enough and naive enough to think that we could do it. So we tried it. So that seems to be a common theme among successful people is we talk about it on the show all the time is the thing that really separates you out from the pack is your habits, you know, having good habits. Uh, we call it a lot of times work ethic, uh, the way you treat people, you know, uh, establishing relationships is a big part of that. And, you know, you need to find that somewhere. You know, I, I was, I'm reading, uh, Adam Smith's book, uh, the wealth of nations, a very big, long book treaties on, on really economics and just what, what money is and, and just how it all works, you know, and this was written in 1750s. And he talks about the fact that there's no real difference between human beings other than their daily habits. And I remember reading that and thinking to myself, that is just so true. It's just every day, you know, you get up and you try to be positive. You try to be better today than you were the day before. But 
the thing that gets us down are the obstacles, you know, the things where, you know, you have those goals you and, and you don't reach them or, or things don't turn out the way you want them to be. You know, I wanted to be a pro athlete and it didn't work out. And so I had to change course. What was that like for you? I mean, if, you know, I, n- nobody's road to success uh, is just nothing but success. How did you overcome, you know, some of the obstacles in your life and what were they? Yeah, for, for me, kind of like along the lines of what you say, I always think it's like I'll, I'll have a conversation sometimes with some actually Raz in particular. And I'll be like, man, you really smart, but you make bad decisions. <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of like all of us are presented with different scenarios, but sometimes people make bad decisions. I'd say, you know, for me, my my first I think I call them lifetime decisions came um, I was hard headed in the 11th grade. You know, our, our football coach didn't want us playing any other sports, but I had played baseball, basketball and football my whole life. And so I snuck out and played summer school, ba- summer league basketball for my high school team. And I proceeded to tear the ligaments in my left knee, the one that you was working on the yeah. other day. <laughs> and um, so going into my senior year, I had never played defense. I played offense. But I knew I needed to play defense to get a scholarship. So I had to make a decision and I decided not to have surgery. And um, you wouldn't recommend this, but I played the whole season and didn't miss any practice or any games on my knee. And um, so by the time you normally back then, you can take five recruiting trips. I, I had to stop after my third one because the other schools said they were watching my film and they noticed that I was limping and they wanted to look at my knee. And we had a. A recruiting advisor that told me that all of these scouts hang together. And if you allow them to look at your knee, they're going to tell everybody you're not going to get a scholarship. So I had to go ahead and commit to Michigan State. So I go to college and I practice three or four days. And then I told them my leg hurt. And man, they looked at my knee and they was like, you have no cartilage, no cartilage. You got bone on bone. You got arthritis. And before they were calling it. So that would have been like in 90. I was yeah, 90 to 95. I was at Michigan State. So in 90, I don't think they used the term microfracture. They just told me they yeah. were going to drill that. They were going to drill down into the bone and let some blood come up to kind of create whatever. Right. So that was a decision that, you know, that I had to make. I was like, I want to go to school. I want to go to college. My parents ain't got the money to pay for it. And I didn't want to borrow money. So I just played. And then in during my third year, I ended up having a um spinal injury I had between C3 and C4. I had a narrowing of the spine and they told me I was one hit away from being paralyzed. And that broke me down, man. I had went all the way out there to play football and I was finally about to get ready to play my third year. And the doctor told me that my career was over. And um, one of the things that I did notice my degrees in psychology is, is that I started acting out, man. I got into more fights. It was just rowdy and just being a fool you know, um, while I was in college. And so later on in life, it I watched some of my friends that, that went to the NFL that when they started, um, stopped playing, they started drinking and fighting and getting in trouble. And I thought back and I said, man, that was a blessing that my career ended in my third year and I still had two more years in college to adjust to it. And, um, and that was crucial, man. I've seen people flame out when their career is over. And I was like, thank God I was still in the atmosphere where I can kind of shift and go from being an athlete and focus on academics. And then it also allowed me to meet um, just regular students, which one of the things I was going to say about, you know, maybe being successful is kind of 
you know, partnering up with people that are on your level and growing with them. A lot of times people try to reach up and sometimes you just need to reach right next to the person that's next to you. Because I'll be believing that they have a lot of knowledge. They just may not have had the opportunity that some people are successful. So I think that it's important to get in with somebody that you kind of familiar with to have some common experiences and then you guys can grow together. You know, it's funny about you know, that's the silver lining to you being injured. It, it kind of led you to the path that you're at now and, you know, wildly successful. And I, I think of that all the time in my, you know, in my own life, you know, I wanted to be a pro soccer player. It didn't work out. And, you know, I ended up becoming a doctor. When I look back on it, I think to myself, uh, you know, that was a blessing. Like this is way better than that would have been, you know, the, it, it's, it's, you know, people always tell me like, uh, you know, I do house calls. Even I go see people over at their house that I just met. I have a, a a friend of a friend whose wife is getting surgery, and they wanted a second opinion. I was like, "Where are you guys at?" And they sent me the address, and I drove over there to take a look at it. And they're just like, "Wow, you're just the nicest person in the world." And I was like, "Well, it's, it's not really about being nice. This is just who I am. It's what I do, you know." And it's like I'm blessed to be able to do something that is in me, you know. It's like I have an opportunity to do it, and I get to help people which is to me the greatest reward. I know you you feel the same way in the music studio when you see people getting their opportunity. And the other thing is in life, things that are happening to you in the moment, you don't always see how it's going to turn out down the road. And sometimes, even though it may seem like a negative at the time, it'll be a positive. And for me, I didn't get into medical school until my fifth try. And you know, on that fifth try when I wasn't in, I mean, I was so stressed. I remember people saying, man, Barbara hasn't spoken in three weeks. Cause I was so stressed. And so, you know, what is going to happen in my life and all this kind of stuff. And then I got into medical school and I realized as, as school started that I had an advantage over a lot of people because I was five years more mature. I had gotten to do a lot of things that young people do that I would never have gotten it done. Had I gone straight into medical school, I was much more able to handle the stress and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have this feeling that a lot of the other students had that they were missing out on life. And I was like, man, this is actually the best time ever to start medical school is that five years turned out to be a blessing. And that's, that's kind of the thing is keeping your head down, working forward, you know, always trying to achieve your goals. And then just understand when things happen that aren't what you expect or not what you want, you know, sometimes it turns out to be, be a blessing in disguise. What, what do you think gave you the courage or the ability or the strength to kind of endure that? You said you were acting out and kind of behaving like a fool for a little bit, but what was it that kind of made you get back, get your feet on the ground and uh, take a turn for the better? Well, the, the same thing you said, Tom, you know, I had time to mature. You had five years. I had two more years to kind of self-assess and look at myself. And then, you know, another situation that I, I had to deal with, you know, post that you know, life decision. My, my wife passed. I was married. You wow. know, it was coming up on our fifth year anniversary. Uh, my wife was only 35. She had took a trip over to, um, to Africa. Um, they had been there 12 days. She was coming back. The plane was supposed to land in DC. They told me my wife stood up on the plane to use the restroom and she fell out. She had a blood clot that detached from the back of her leg caused her to, you know, the, the, no oxygen in her yeah. lungs and no oxygen in the brain. So they, they landed the plane in Boston. We ended up in um, in Boston Mass General for 12 days, man. And she, she died on my dad's birthday. She never woke up. We were happily married. And um, that was another situation where I kind of just kind of paused and was like, 
you know, my mindset on all three of those, my knee injury, my neck injury and my wife passing, I just felt like I said, man, you know, things happen and it's about the decision and we got choices. And I was like, I feel like people are going to be looking at me to see what I do. Either they're going to say, hey, man, he was on this path. Once he's tore up his knee, he did this. Okay, well, he was doing good. Once he messed up his neck, he fell off. Man, he was married. They was doing a good job. Once his wife passed, he just blah, blah, blah. And the last one with my wife, I just looked at it like I said, man, I'm going to I'm not going to be the same person, but I want to be a better person. And I want people to when they do put that point and be like from this point that his wife passed, Curtis changed. And I wanted to dedicate how I behave and how I live to my wife. And so, you know, I made some changes. I didn't announce them. I just made some changes. And um, and I live, you know, pretty much to honor her. Any success that I have, I just I just knew people was either going to be like, man, when his wife passed, he fell off. And I was like, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to let them put that on her. And so that's why I was saying that I, I thought it was about the choices when I was going through that. I, you know, yeah, you want to drink, you want to stay home. But I was like, anytime I get down, I'm just going to go work out. I ended up losing 35 pounds. And um, we all, whether it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many, how long your parents been married, what type of success you have, all of us pretty much have the same problems, but all of us don't make the same choices to deal with the problems. Amen. And that's where, where, where I think it's about. So when you talk about, you know, you were blessed with, you know, time. And, and to me, time Time is the biggest thing. It'll force you to, you know, do things that you don't want to do. So I always tell people when you're in college, the blessing is that you have time. Once you get out, your parents going to treat you differently. You're not going to have coaches kissing your butts, all this stuff. So I think the thing, you know, just listening to your story is that, like you said, it was a blessing for you to have those five years. It was a blessing for me to be in school those extra two years. And, um, you know, that's crucial. <laughs> you ever you ever notice? Uh, I at least in my life, you know, it's like adversity mm-hmm. that doesn't kill you, and then you come out on the other side, and you're like, you're you're kind of on to the next thing. It's like after a while, you realize, like, okay, that didn't kill me. I, I can do this. You know what I mean? You just kind of put one foot in front of the other, and that's not to say that we don't go through emotions and feelings, right? We all go through rage and anxiety and 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 uh, you know sadness and. And, uh, you know, feelings of helplessness and all that kind of stuff. But like, I have these little conversations in my head about, you know, it's almost like I'm looking at myself talking to somebody about me. It's like, what do you think about this guy? You know, how do you, how do, how do you want to be out? My father used to tell me tough times don't test your character. They reveal your character. So when you're in the moment of struggle, like, how do you want your character to be revealed to the world? And it's almost like that's the thing that kind of knocks me out of, uh, you know, my funk and gets me, you know, back on track. Um, yeah. I agree with that. I, I always tell people I didn't I knew myself and I knew how I would react to a bunch of situations, but I never knew how I would react when I was hurt like wow. that. And so I learned a lot about myself. You know what I mean? I always try to if I get upset or get angry, I try to calm down. You know what I mean? But when I was hurt, man, I was done. It was crucial. I, I thank God for my friends. And, and um, you know, I just, I just believe in that, man. I'm, I'm still cool with all my kindergarten, elementary, junior yeah. high, and high school people. And thank God for my friends and family and the people that kind of refuse to let me fall off, you know, fall down. And um, 
And, 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 and I'm like you, man, I'm, I'm attracted to good people. I tell people at the studio, I collect smart people. If yeah. you want to, you want to get in with me, you know, you, we just had to hire a new girl. Her dad told me she graduated with a 5.2. We didn't even have a position. I just found something because I wanted her on our team. So I like to surround myself like you speaking with good people. I don't believe that you got to be a butthole to be successful or be rude or be disrespectful. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm with you. You know what I mean? I'm with you with everything that you said. I agree with you. <laughs> where, where do you think your strength comes from? I mean, are, are you a religious man or, you know, what is it that, you, that gives you the strength? What do you go and you rely on to, to sort of support your, your mind and your emotional point of view? Man, my, my friends and, um, and, and just the, my foundation was always solid. Like it's just been solid since, you know, my parents been living in the same place. I was born in 72. They've been there since 74. My older brother's four years older than me. I got an older sister, a brother that's 10 year. We all played at the same parks. We all went to the same schools. We all had the same teachers. And so the foundation was just set. Like, you know what I mean? Without, without it being known, it just was something that was there that anytime something that, that kind of hit me, I could think back to literally whatever something my dad told me or showed me or my mom. I mean, I've seen them pray and um, I've seen them have faith and demonstrate that stuff like that. So it just 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 tied back to that, man. I, I think it was put in me when I was young. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and that's that's what I'm trying. My daughter's nine. And it's kind of like if they got that confidence and that belief that they can do anything. But like I keep saying, people, you can say that. But if you don't teach them a work ethic or teach them how to learn how to do something, then I don't think they'll be successful. So mine is, man, I'm, I'm, I'm big on my friendships. I rely on my friends, man. I got a big network of people. I stay on the phone. I stay in contact and, um, and they support me. I love my friends. <laughs> I talk to my friends more, more than my, more than my family, man. You know what I mean? And I think it's funny, you know, our relationship with block is, is easy dealing with him because it's, it's easy to have friends with or be friends with people that you don't have to think about, that you don't have to wonder what they're going to do. You just kind of it doesn't the situation can change a million times, but you can think about that person and be like, well, I know what he's going to do in this particular thing. And so when you have friendships that you don't have to worry about people talking, saying stuff about you behind your back, just being out of character, it just makes your life easier. And so I like to collect friends and keep them. And um I believe they are relationships that need to be nurtured and worked on. And so I work on them daily. I can't say this because you've been, a, you know, like one of my best friends. I appreciate yeah. you. And um, what's so crazy, Scott, when I first met Curtis, and I didn't, like, like I said, I never understood the business the way, I, the way I know it now. I mean, even now I go to him mentor me. Um, Curtis, tell about that story. <laughs> I'll let you tell. I mean, you know, we, we just, before I tell that story, we just probably about a week ago, yeah. We was on a conversation and my wife and daughter had to come in here and close the doors because we was yelling at each other. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, and after we, you know, we yelled, we, you know, Block was like, I'll put it on my grandmama. I ain't gonna never call you. You ain't got to worry about asking me nothing. You ain't never got to worry. And I, we talked through it. We stayed on the phone. You, and we, we came up with a solution. But like I was telling him, you know, sometimes you got to get past being mad. And when there's when there there isn't a foundation and two people start going back and forth, 
one person to just bail and get off the phone and then you never come to a resolution. So we spoke, man, we went all the way up. Yeah. Man, my wife came out, closed the door. I woke my daughter up. We yelling, he yelling, I'm yelling. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, we going at it. And then we came to a resolution. But when we first started working, you know, you know, Block ran up a bill and he didn't he didn't think the bill was justified. And he thought that I was just adding stuff on his bill. And, you know, he had an opportunity to be like, you know, F him. I ain't going to pay it, which would have been a it would have been an issue. And but but he stopped and he looked at it. And he was like, man, this guy ain't never really did anything but offer me advice and try to help me. And he realized I always tell people a man's strength is knowing his weakness. And he real he's real good at recognizes when he don't know how to do something or he don't know something. So he'll find somebody that he wants to hire to do it. He's he been trying to hire me for 30 years, man. I like, I got a job, man. He, he be telling me I ain't did nothing for status in two weeks and stuff like that or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, but, it, but, it, but it's, it's fun, you know, because, you know, you can do some things on your own and have success and that's cool. But if you have some theories and thoughts about things and you can pass them on to somebody else and you see somebody else use what you told to become successful, that brings me even more joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Watching other people, you know, take what you, you you've told them and implement it and, and it works for them. And then the idea is that you hope that they do that for somebody else, you know, that they share that information and bring somebody else along because then we can populate the world with more good people. You know, it's funny. <laughs> it's like when I, I, I I'm at the, that age now and I have position now where it's like the opportunity to mentor people is in front of me. And it's the most gratifying time of life to be able to help other people see their dreams. And we have a medical student that uh, has been trying to get into uh, residency uh, for a while. They've been struggling. And I, you know, I've been there to help mentor her. She's from Nigeria. She's got a great story, came over here, you know, made her own own way. And, and uh, I really like this person uh, because she's such a sweet person, such a good hearted person and everything. And she's been working hard and everything. And I was able to sit there and tell her, man, you only haven't gotten in one time. <laughs> you know, I didn't get in five times. I'm like, trust me, it's going to happen. Keep doing the work. And uh, she just finally got accepted, you know? And so now, you know, now it's a done deal. She's going to be a doctor when she finishes and everything. And, you know, to see her kind of bouncing off the walls and floating on there. And this has now been a week that we've found out that she got in and everything. We're going to have a party for her. I'm going to, she doesn't know this yet, but I got her a stethoscope with her name engraved on it and everything like that. That like, I'm as excited, you know, I may be as excited for her as she is, you know what I mean? And it's like that opportunity in life. You excited like it's your own kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, but that's the thing about life, right? Is to be able to to do for other people is really what is fulfilling and and having purpose. You know, it's like you guys get to go to the studio every day and you got, you know, the most talented people in the world coming to you to use your talent and to be a part of your talent. And it's just super rewarding to be able to help that. You know, Sydney, for me, you know, she was just you know, I'm her dad. I thought she was a good singer and Block was helping me out. He's a friend of mine. And and so it, I I wanted her to go to the studio just to have that experience because it's a scary thing to kind of go in there. And it's it's a hard thing. I mean, God, I you know, I'd never seen that before, but the way they work for hours and hours and day on a syllable, you know, and then the next syllable and the next syllable is like, I never realized how much work went into it, but I wanted her to see that. And, you know, now- you know, she's really maturing and blossoming and it's just, uh, it's an exciting thing to see. And it comes about because 
of relationships because of hard work, because people don't quit. Um, understanding that there's going to be obstacles and failures in life and that you have to just adjust to that and, and not even worry about it. I mean, you know, I, who's going to say I'm not, I get anxious just like the, uh, the next person, but I'm never anxious to the point where I think I'm not going to have a play. My anxiety comes from, it's going to create work for me, you know, or work that I don't want to do, but I know I'll get through it. And it's almost like when the next bad thing happens in life, it's kind of like, all right, let's, you know, let's strap up. You know what I mean? And you don't, you don't go to pieces all the time and you can keep your life sort of in order. And it's by having those habits of hard work, honesty, integrity, accountability. And then the other thing I think that's really important is how you treat people. It's not about respecting another person. It's about respecting yourself. And even when I have relationships with people, this happens a lot in business and I get you know done wrong. Um, I don't I don't spend a lot of time on the negativity of that. I kind of understand that people are people. They do, you know, they, they generally don't want to do bad things, but they, they operate in their own best interest. And I understand that, you know, whenever two people have a meeting and they walk away from that meeting, they heard two different things. You know what I mean? That's just the normal thing. And so rather than put kind of any negative energy into to lashing out at that person, I try to just move on, you know, and be positive and try and develop the relationships yeah. that are positive. Yeah, I was telling Block, I mean, or somebody the other day, you know, I was like, you know, I hadn't eaten any beef or pork since since like 95 or whatever. And I was like, it's nothing wrong with it. Like if people eat it, it's fine. I said, it doesn't matter if it's beef or pork or anything. If there's anything that you hadn't eaten or done in a long time, when you reintroduce it to yourself, it kind of shakes you up. Right. Yep. And so I was telling him, I was, I was just like, man, in my life right now, you know, I don't. I don't watch scary movies. <laughs> um, I don't listen to all the little rap music that's negative that's going on or whatever. I don't really even I don't subscribe to any of those little blog channels with all this gossiping going on. And I don't really have any negative people around me. And because I haven't had that around me in such a long time, whenever one of them comes up, it's almost like I'm like, man, you. It's like I hadn't ate pork in 30 years. It made my stomach hurt. Yeah, I, I don't want that in my life. And yeah. so I'm like you, where when it comes and it's coming back and forth, I just be like, okay, well, you won. We ain't got to keep arguing about it. Yeah. And I just yeah. go on my phone and be like, I'll never talk to that person again and just move on. And I'm like, I'd rather replace that person or that time with somebody that got better energy. And I'll say this about you guys. I've been to two of your facilities and I met your wife and I met your daughter. And the way that you guys interact, talk to and treat people, I learned a few things. You know what I mean? I just was like, man, when I went in your place, I was like, Jesus Christ. And um, the it was like the because I had met you first and then I went to a couple of your facilities and met some of your workers and colleagues I, walk, I said, man, his his team is taking on the personality of the head coach. All the people were professional. All the people were cool and all the people were on top of everything. And I was like, I thought back, I said, man, well, I hope we made a good example when he came to our studio because, <laughs> because his shit is impressive. And I said, man, you know what I mean? I was like, I hope our place was clean and and we did a good job because where he's coming from is just a whole nother place. Yeah, but the thing about it is, you know, y'all are good people. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. You know what I mean? 
you know, my father used to tell me that, uh, you know, the tough guys don't talk about themselves. If they're really tough, other people talk about them. You, you always know somebody's got things, you know, that they're, they're um, insecure about if they're always talking about how great they are. And he's like, don't be that person, you know? And so in my life, when I was growing up, I started saying, I did, I did, I did. And he, my dad would look at me and be like, don't be that guy. And it really kind of stuck with me. And I remember um, years ago, I was doing a, um, I was on the news for something. And, uh, you know, you, they have these little spots. You can go and look at the comment section. And there was somebody from the University of Miami where I did my residency that commented on the spot that I did. And it said, I remember this guy when he was here. He was a hard worker and he treated everybody the same. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, if somebody was going to sum my character up, um, you know, in one sentence, that's about what I would want, you know? And, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like I looked up at the, at the sky and I was like, grandpa, that is exactly what you used to say. And it's a lifetime of just kind of treating people right. And, and, you know, you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you're not perfect. You know, you make mistakes and you fail every day. I'm going to fail today, but next tomorrow's another day to get up and be better. You know, and I, I've heard somebody say, I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody talking about, Imagine the person that you want to be and wake up every day and just try to be that person. And I think that goes a long way to helping you with your goals and, and helping you kind of get through tough times. And, you know, for me, I know Block talks about the, you know, the first time that he ever had his own bed was when he went to prison at 17. And to me, that's like, man, that's, that almost seems like a place you can't come back from, you know? And yet, Look at him, you know, he's three-time Grammy award-winning music producer when he gets a Grammy for Sydney, uh, yeah. you know, it's going to be four Grammys. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just amazing no matter where you are in this life, if you do the right things and you have the right habits, you know, the sky's the yeah, limit. Yeah, that's what I said. I think he probably had the same problems. He just started making different choices. Yeah. Because, you know, back in the day, he'd be done try to hit somebody or beat somebody or <laughs> throw them through the window and then go, you know, go back to jail. But it's the same problems. Yep. You get put in the same situations. But now we make mature decisions or better choices. And everybody, with, you know, like we said before, no matter what situation you're in, you do have a choice. And 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 the sad part about it is, you know, maybe some people don't have a role model or mentor that they can look at. And, you know, some some of these young parents are making bad choices and their kids are seeing it and it's just carrying on. But it ain't really about the circumstances and situations. It's about the, the choices that you make when you get presented with those things. You know what I mean? And so I think it's cool to see people that have, you know, that have come through some things. And um, and when they when they share their stories, I think it's important, like you said, because other people, you know, I, every time you go somewhere, if you're in a nice car, people be like, I want to know I want to do what you had to do. Or I want to I want to be what you do. And I'll be like, man, you don't want to lose your wife. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to. You, you know, you wouldn't be willing to almost break your neck and be paralyzed. You wouldn't play in high school on a torn knee. Man, you don't want to do that. I mean, yeah. we all I do believe that. You know, my mom always says the Lord only gives you what you can carry. You don't start to break down until you, until you start trying to carry other people's burdens. Yep. So as, as much stuff as get put on me, I'd be like, well, I must be able to carry it. But I do stay away from picking up other people's problems. 
And um, so whatever people are dealing with, like you said, is probably a lesson on the other side of it. And if what I would say is advice is if the same thing or the same problem keeps happening to you, you can't control the problem, but you can control the choice. So if you've been making one choice your whole life or the last 10 times and you keep getting bad results, won't you just try to do something different and see and pay attention to the results and see if that helps you out. But block the same person. He yep. still got the same. He still got the same temper. He still think he's 23. <laughs> he's still be in the gym, lifting weights and be threatening people. But you can't do it no more. You know what I mean? You got to make a better choice. No excuses, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Curtis, appreciate it, man. Appreciate your time. Dog. Yeah, Curtis, right. thanks so much for being on the show. We're going to have you back again. Uh, everybody yeah. listening, go to our Big Timers Foundation, bigtimers.com. Yep. Uh, we're going to be doing more of this stuff uh, as time goes on. Yeah, but we'll be seeing y'all at, uh, at Patchwork too, man. I'm doing my um, my workshop for the for the big times of kids. I think it's April 22nd now. We'll be up there. I appreciate Curtis for doing this Patchwork, Black Entertainment, uh, Bob Orthopedics, Big Time. So. Curtis Block, great show. Okay. Everybody yeah. have a great week. Stock in the block.com, yeah. bigtimers.com. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah.